color, it is something that is fascinating in this continent of Africa, whereby we use it to express emotions. We use color to represent energy and vitality of the continent and its people. We also use bright colors because of our landscapes. You know, when you go to the savannah, you could see the beautiful sun, the reds in the beautiful sunset. You know, you could see the yellows in the, in the same beautiful sunset. My name is Kenneth Kanavi. I'm a graduate architect, designer. I'm very passionate about design. I was born first and raised in a humble artistic family. My father is a multidisciplinary artisan and my mom is a beautician. So that's the background where I grew up from. I was raised in a small suburb around Kampala, that is Nasana in Uganda. And I was raised through an intersection of Baganda and Chinyaranda cultures, whereby my, my dad is a Muganda and my mom is a Nyaranda. So I shared both cultures while growing up and it has affected my perception and my way of designing things and looking at design. Yes, so what's unique about Buganda culture as I was growing up, I realized that for the Baganda and the Randese culture, they're all African cultures and some similarities around them. But when you look at the uniqueness of the Buganda culture itself, uh, you see that for them, um, they have unique architecture, all their design elements that they use in their everyday life have function. For example, if it's a broom, I remember in my grandmother's village, you could see that it's a broom, but there's, there's a way it is artistically, you know, put together, you know. And if it's a mat, yes, it's a simple mat from simple natural materials, but still you find that they go an extra mile to try to play with different simple motifs to, to see that it looks very nice in the sitting room. So from that background, I started getting passionate about design. My dad is a multidisciplinary artisan. That means we made things together. I remember very well in my childhood. We used to make very many things from simple, simple toys that used to make for me. I used to play with that at home because my friends, they used to have plastic toys gotten from the supermarket. But for me, my dad used to make for me these ugly wooden cars and I couldn't compete very well with my friends because Mine was always slow, slow, but the others were very, very fast because they could pull that lever and it would, you know, move very fast. I used to lose in competition with my friends, but I later appreciated that, yes, these toes were very rough. It was simple wood with wooden pieces cut, you know, in circular form and with just nails to move. So that really inspired me to start creating things. And I used to help my dad in making things like tables at home. We used to make us beds. I remember uh, the set of furniture where I used to do my homework. We did it together at home. So that's the background I'm coming from. And that I used to now look at my mother playing. I don't want to say playing, but used to, you know, weave people's hair. So you could see that the underlying aspects was trying to make people happy, creating new things for people and trying to make them feel good. That is my mother and then that is my father. I think I am in the intersection of the two. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really brilliant. And it's great that you've come to appreciate those toys that your dad used to make because now hopefully we're starting to appreciate those things that last and the toys like that can perhaps go across generations as well. So it's always a nice shared experience. And so your dad was a professional maker, uh, an artisan, and he did that as well for a living. Yes, I'm still doing that for a living. 
That's really cool. Yes. Really cool. So I used to make things at home, like, you know, on, during the weekends, we could make something in his workshop. So I got introduced to sketching, making things, prototypes at an early age. The school I went to, I think he also had to strategically place me in a school whereby it has hands-on things, whereby we could have some vocational subjects where we used to make things. So I found myself in an environment, learning woodwork, learning, of course, art, learning technical drawing, learning metal work. So I got to learn this at an early age when I was in my high school. And that now introduced me to the understanding more of design. That's how I've been growing. We made different projects, you know, at school, making simple, simple projects like making trays, making simple products like dusters for our classes. In metal work, we used to do different projects still. Like that's when I got into understanding materials professionally and understanding the theory behind these materials that I have at home in my dad's workshop. It's from there now I started growing this passion of making things. And I remember asking my dad, what's the profession or the career for someone who makes things, you know? And he told me that someone like that is called a planner. He told me that he's the one that plans things and they are made. So I grew up talking to myself that I want to be a planner. But later, I got to learn that there is an, a phenomenon called architecture. I got to learn it when I was in my secondary school. And I started growing towards that, during working towards that and, and being an architect. That's what pushed me to architecture school to understand design and understand how things are made, understand where the ideas come from. And that's where I got to gain some confidence to make a few things on my own confidently and defend them following different design principles that I got to learn from my professors at school. Great and awesome. I'd, I'd love to know about some of the architectural stuff that you've created as well. I know there's Misimo, and maybe you can tell us about some of the projects you've worked on architecturally. Yes, of course. I am still a young architect under mentorship right now. So I don't have individual projects, but through competitions that happen internationally, I happen to reach out for those opportunities and try to share my ideas with different people. So in 2020, there was an international competition advertised by Architecture Association of Kenya, and I gained interest. I participated in it, and we found ourselves with my friend, James Musasizi. We won the second prize. Basically, the competition was to look for ideas that could mitigate or that could be resilient in floods. Remember, in 2020, floods affected Kenya greatly. I think the reports came out, very many people died because of the floods that came from rising waters of Lake Victoria. So I happened to design an idea or an integration that specifically for Bodalangi site, uh, that's uh, around the, uh, Lake Victoria Benson. And we got to design an instrument that could be resilient against floods. And through that, we got to appreciate all these ideas. Of course, we experimented with local materials, local technology, and Misimu for us was a concept that we interpreted like seasons. We interpreted that seasons of floods come, and in this site of seasons of floods come, and in the same site, floods go away. We're excited to see that during time of floods, People who have strength tend to help one another to see that they save themselves from this flood. That's why we got an idea of using a floating table, a floating raft that would float. When floods come, 
the house safely sits down. So that was the concept that we presented and we are grateful that we managed to win that prize. Of course, other channels where I've managed to practice some architecture is through architecture studios under mentorship under ProPlan Partners right now. And ProPlan Partners is principled by architect Devi Mugamba, is one of the oldest firms in Uganda today. And I've managed to experiment a few ideas under his mentorship. And I'm still learning a lot from him. I believe I'll be a great architect maybe in the future. Brilliant. Yeah. And also a product designer, right? So I've seen you talk about designing with earthly materials in Uganda and around the world. And what are some of the products that you've been innovating around culture and earthly materials? Yes, thank you for that. Now, what's fascinating uh, about design, I always wanted to follow kind of the phenomenon of African design. African design is characterized by color, board colors, geometrical shapes, symbolic motifs, use of natural materials, repetition and simplicity, cultural significance and functionality. Those are some of the basis guidelines that I try to use or follow when I'm designing things. In some of the products that I've managed to do, that is uh, the Kitole table, you could see that I used natural materials like papyrus. Today, in Uganda, you find that we are blessed with this plant, but it has not yet been experimented into furniture design. So I had to take that initiative to experiment with this material into furniture design and see what comes out. And the entire concept of Chitole came out. I've also tried to experiment with this papyrus to the scale of architecture. That is through the project we did in Kaviramaido, where we did an installation that housed an exhibition that ran for one week in Kaviramaido, in northwest part of Uganda. I'm so grateful about that. And someone may ask, why do we use board materials as Africans? This is my thinking that African design is characterized by, of course, use of board colors and also natural materials because we believe, just like when you look at our ancestors way back, they tried to recreate the world around them by trying to use the already existing materials which were already cheap and available and convert into something that they used to feel, you know, very nice and very good for them. And more so, color. Color, it is something that is fascinating in this continent of Africa, whereby we use it to express emotions. We use color to represent energy and vitality of the continent and its people. We also use bright colors because of our landscapes. You know, when you go to the savannah, you could see the beautiful sun, the reds in the beautiful sunset. You know, you could see the yellows in the, in the same beautiful sunset. And then when you go to the rainforest, you could pick out the blue skies, the greens, so all this is African to me. This is what defines African design. Most so the traditional beliefs and spiritual beliefs also is something that when you go back to the history, you could find that there are different spiritual motifs or shapes that are picked up like circles, diamonds, uh, triangles. For example, when you look at the triangle, it was greatly used in the Egypt. And also, when you look at the papyrus, when you cut it like this, the cross-section, you get to find a triangular form that inspired Egyptian civilization when you go into history. You will see that for them, they interpreted it as a holy plant because it represents the trinity to them. And also, some of the color pigments in African design are already available in natural materials. Like, for example, blood, you know, red is perceived as a color of life, whereas 
black is perceived as a color of mystery and color of the unknown. So you find that colors played an important role way back in African design. And I believe that even up to date, these are some of the elements that we could thrive on as designers that are designing in the postmodern era. Really cool. What was it like then working with the papyrus in practice? What was the experience like? What's the material like to work with? What was it good for? What was it difficult and challenging with? Yes, now papyrus, it's an interesting plant. It grows widely along the river Nile basin. That's where it is. And way back, we used to use it to make uh, baskets, boats, because this plant, when it's dry, it is very light. The Egyptians themselves made paper a papyrus paper from this plant and they managed to scribe interesting ancient knowledge. I think it's an interesting material that we have as a gift on the Nile that we can also use. When I was using this material, I realized that we have it in plenty. We have it in abundance along the river Nile Basin. To an extent, it gets dry and it catches fire by itself, you know. So while working with it, I realized that locally, the local craftsmen in Uganda today, of course, use it to do the same things. They use it to make mats. They use it to make baskets. And I wanted to push it to furniture design. And I realized that it is something that is sustainable. Papyrus can be planted and it grows very, very fast. Found it very, very, very readily available, locally cheap, because when you go to the market and buy papyrus mats, they're very, very cheap. But when you work with them very well, you get amazing things. You get amazing eco things that could compete on an international market. Of course, now people are knowledgeable on how to use this material. So you find that the craftsmen know how to play with it very well. So if you give them an idea and you direct them very well, you can get very many interesting things out of it. And some of the examples that I managed to experiment with, that is furniture, ceiling panels, because it has good ceiling acoustic properties. Papyrus itself, since it has that warm color, you can just put it as a feature wall in the interior, of course, keeping it from the rain. I think it's an interesting material that we have not yet fully utilized on the continent, especially for us who are really blessed with it. Great. Yeah, it looks like an exciting material. Looking forward to seeing what other things you might come up with with it and how others will explore, keep exploring it. As It's good for us to take those traditionally used materials like you said those mats are already being made but what else can we make with those materials that's going to prove valuable you've spoken of being greatly inspired by hidden small moments perhaps that's a crossover of your architectural and product design interests maybe you can tell me about what that means to you yes i believe that interesting ideas are everywhere you know but what is interesting for me as a designer is to look for those interesting moments in our everyday life and try to convert them into something that can make people happy. I'm greatly inspired by a Japanese designer called Nendo. I try to borrow his philosophy and try to forge mine, you see. And I realized that there are interesting moments around us that we do not consciously see, but they tend to make our lives richer, make our lives more interesting. Like, for example, when you look at that table that I designed called Chitole, it's an interesting moment that phenomenon that I captured was togetherness. We enjoy being together, you know. But now in COVID, when we were divided, you know, when we were hindered from meeting physically, you find that we felt so bad about that. And I realized that 
such a phenomenon, such a moment of togetherness can be converted into an interesting product like Kitore table or the seat that you've seen. And there are very many moments that we can convert into interesting products. Very many moments that we can see. There are very many moments here in Kampala. There are very many moments even around us right now that can be consciously captured and try to conceptualize them into a product that can solve a certain problem. What are some of those moments that you've come across either in Kampala, Uganda, or during your travels as interesting examples of cultural moments? Yes. I don't know how many doors you've opened today when you came to record this podcast, but I believe there are very many doors that you've opened from the time you woke up. But that's small moment of opening doors. We do it every day and we consciously forget about it. I can pick that moment and I try to conceptualize it to design something around it. It can be a piece of furniture. It can be a chair. It can be an, an entire building. When I try to break down the sketches and I show you how this simple moment of opening doors on a daily basis can be converted to something that is really interesting, something that can solve a problem, can make a world a better place. So that's kind of my philosophy of uh, looking at things and looking at design. I believe design, it is something that makes people happy. I believe also that the future is ancient, like way back. This is my thinking. I don't know. <laughs> this is my thinking that the future is ancient. All the things that we're discovering right now, I believe that they're already existing. Like they're already there way before the different design movements or art movements that we've studied in the past. You look at art history, you know, the Egyptians, the Romans, the Greeks all different movements of art or design. They are coming back in one way or the other, you know, and look at the way we are singing sustainability right now. It is a concept that is ancient, that has been here, you know, the concept of sustainability, net zero, it is a concept that was way back, the concept of grounding, you know, walking, using barefoot, something that our ancestors used to appreciate. Like right now we are sharing using the internet. I believe there was a way our ancestors used to telecommunicate with one another using their own technologies. And we just need to strive to create it based on what is already existing around us. Yeah, that's really fascinating in terms of what we can, what we can learn. Are there any particular projects that you've worked on or that you're working on perhaps that you'd also like to share? Yes, right now, of course, we are looking towards the Nairobi Design Week. I'm looking forward to showcase some of my new works that I've been working on and trying to come up with a concept called Embutu. Embutu is a drum or called Engoma in Kiswahili. I'm trying to capture moments around the drum, converting them into different things that can solve our everyday problems like furniture, lighting, even architecture itself, if the scale is multiplied. So I'm working on that project. I'm trying to create different things around the motor, the drum, because the drum is very instrumental in Africa and we've been using it as a tool of communication, a tool we use in worship, a tool that cuts across all tribes. So I think it's an interesting moment and it will be an interesting project to showcase at Nairobi Design Week. Awesome. Very excited for that. And of you taking that traditional form and exploring it in different scales. What about beyond that? What are your aspirations for the future of your work and where it's going? Of course, I aspire to speak 
for the African design or to produce more products using natural materials or using different African design principles. And also I'm looking forward to use design as a tool to unite all the tribes on Africa. When you go down to South Africa, you'll find that the way, the approach to design and the way of understanding their everyday life, it's the same to the people in Central Africa, to the people in East Africa and West Africa. For example, I can give you a small integration or a small element like a simple hut the architecture, you know, way back before. There was no internet, but you could find east to the west, to the south. They knew that they should design something circular. There were no architects. There was no internet. There was no this massive exchange of ideas. But you find that it was intuitively done by different artisans then. And you could find that the circular form played an important role in the architecture itself. Because I believe maybe they looked at things around them, like maybe the sun, the cross-section of the tree. That's where that circular form was very visible. When they looked at the moon, you know, when they looked at themselves, maybe it was more dominant to them. And that's how they managed to interpret it into their everyday life. So I believe that we can unite all the tribes in Africa, maybe into an interesting festival. <laughs> Maybe one day Nairobi Design Festival will unite all the tribes and we showcase all these interesting objects that they use or they celebrate in their lives. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting how when we remove ourselves from nature, from the surroundings that hundreds or thousands of generations have gone through, put ourselves next to technology the whole time, we almost forget, we lose some of that knowledge that we've had for so many generations. So we need to go go to it and not forget it and keep implementing it into the things we create now. By the way, has your name got a meaning or a reason behind it? The name, I got it from one of my great, 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 great grandfather. So I tried to look for the meaning from my elders and they told me that the meaning it's not well stated, but it is a name that one of the great, 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 great grandfathers used to have. So I, in particular, it doesn't have any connected meaning to it. Yeah, we, we always find that African names have interesting stories behind them a lot of the time. Yes. So where can people find you? Where should people get in touch with you? What should they get in touch about and where can they find you? People can find my work on Instagram. I use Instagram to showcase most of what I've done. The handle is kenkan256. You can check it out and see some of the things that I've managed to do. People can find my work in Bugolobi at Motive. We normally have different exhibitions happening at Motive. Possibly in the future, I'm hoping to build an online portfolio where people could easily see my work and interact with me more effectively. Thank you so much, Kenneth. It's been a real pleasure having you on and it's, it was great to meet you as well in person. Thank you so much, Adrian. If you have any ideas for episodes we should do, people we should host on the show, please let us know. We're really, really interested in hearing your thoughts. And if you've made it this far, a review would mean so much to us as well. 
on whichever platform you're listening to us on, or even a recommendation to one of your friends or through a tweet. We hope to get these stories out there to more people. I'm Adrian Jankowiak. This episode was edited by David Kingori with music by Ngala and Mercy Barno. Thank you for tuning in to Africa Design.